welcome to episode 40 of the Sunday Conversation Podcast. I'm Ben. Across the screen from me is my co-host, Aaron. Aaron, <laughs> how was your week? <laughs> I was on a buy loyalty liquors. You fucking you oh, forgot fuck. all about it. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, I got sponsored by loyalty liquors. You guys know the drill. Um, my week was, uh, was infectious. My attitude was infectious this week. Um, so for, you know, a handful of people around me, no, uh, but, uh, my name is Aaron and I am a COVID-19 survivor. Um, at this point, I, uh, well here, we'll dial it back and I'll just, I'll tell the story briefly. So after our little, uh, uh, COVID safe party on uh, Saturday night. Um, if you couldn't tell Sunday morning, neither Ben nor I were in great shape. Your sister texted me at one point and said, you guys sounded tired today. And I was like, well, we definitely were. That's, uh, a, very, that's a very polite way of saying you guys sucked. Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, right. I, uh, so Sunday I went and worked for a few hours and I came home and I, and I crushed a, like a two and a half hour nap on the couch and I woke up and I, you know, I, I was starting to feel better. Just like kick the hangover or whatever. Sunday night I go to sleep and I sleep in the nude, um, which is, you know, supposed to be better for you. And, uh, I woke up. Yeah. I don't know. One, two o'clock in the morning, freezing my balls off, which is uncommon because my, I keep my apartment at a decent temperature. And, uh, so I went out to, um, I went out to the living room, got a big blanket, threw it on the bed, came back and was in a puddle of sweat an hour later. So just kind of going back and forth between hot and cold, woke up the next morning, felt awful. Um, and then, you know, felt, felt terrible all day, Monday, you know, Tuesday, a little bit better, uh, you know, achy joints, uh, like I said, cold sweats, just, you know, felt, felt like a mild case of the flu. None of the, uh, the stomach issues that come along with the flu or anything like that. And then uh, Wednesday morning, I'd say I was back to about 92%. Yesterday, back to 100 Today, I feel great. I, uh, the, only, the only nagging symptom is uh, what they call a productive cough, which is like a wet cough or you're, you know, getting the phlegm out of your lungs. I think that's why they call it a productive cough. I could be making that up, but um, yeah, so uh, it was an interesting week, uh, definitely. And then, uh, you know, to, so this disease that, that you and I kind of poke fun at for well, fuck, basically the last eight months and, you know, basically said that we didn't think it was as serious as it was being made out to be and all that stuff. Well, guess what? We were right because that was a fucking joke of a disease. I've, I've had, you know, upset stomachs that were worse than that. Uh, but anyways, that's, I just, you know, rambled on to start to show Benny. How, how was your week, buddy? Dude, my week kicked ass. I mean, obviously <laughs> I was, I was exactly where you were. So, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I feel great. Um, I went, I went lobstering with my cousin, um, yesterday and yesterday was Thursday. We're recording here on Friday. So I was up at, uh, I don't know, three, actually I woke up on my own at 3 AM yesterday, uh, hopped in the shower, 
was on the road by uh I would say like three thirty. Yeah, exactly. Three thirty. And uh wheeled into Situate Harbor around uh five fifty. Dude, got on my cousin's boat, which is like this gangster lobster boat. It's called the Bank Robber. Um fun fact, it's like Massachusetts, I guess like Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard. It the bank, the fishing or the, I guess the it's called the Stellwagen Bank. That's like okay. when people refer to like going fishing on the banks, that's what they're referring to out of Massachusetts. It's called Stellwagen Bank. So I was like obviously I asked him how he came up with the with the name of his boat, but he's like uh, the bank robber got it. The bank robber, Stellwagen Bank. So <clears throat> we, uh, he has a guy that works for him, a Sternman, they call it, in the lobster biz. And uh, so basically, like, fire, fired up. We went over and, and got bait. Um, so, like, he pays, like, a due every year to, to use this, like, crane pulley system that is like they call it the pier otherwise you'd have to like drag all your equipment bait like all the way down the dock which just time is money you know so like we go over to this pier and he he hops up these you know climbs up it was low tide at the at that time so he'd like climb pretty far up this little ladder gets to the top had uh, his bait up there, and then we lowered it down on this on this crane, and uh, then went over and got fuel, and then, dude, we went and hit the uh, Situate Harbor, and we pulled uh, seven. We did seven trawls, T R A W L S, um, for all you uh, phonetics out there. Um, <clears throat> but it's just funny because it's you know it's almost like a play on words it's almost like fanatics but phonetics and it's got it's got its dual it's got a dual meaning it's very it was very unintentionally clever by you ben gotcha um so dude it was like it was wild so i was like totally like right in the mix i was bait guy um so guy ben bake guy ben yep so Corey would we would come up to his buoys and um he has this little like like it kind of not kind of it's like a gaff that you would use to gaff fish but he just gaffs the bottom of his buoy and pull, pulls it up into this like pretty sweet hoist like i mean he told me that if you if you it would it's so strong it would just pull the bottom like if there was a strong enough anchor down on the bottom of the ocean it would just pull the boat all the way underwater like it's oh, shit <laughs> yeah it, it's like very very neat so gaff the buoy run the line like through the i guess the different pulleys mm -hmm. and then I handed the buoy to the sternman. He he brings the buoy all the way down to the back of the boat. So then, like the first pot comes up and it sits right on the rail. So then, so Corey yeah. pop Corey swings the the uh, the lobster pot up onto the rail, and then 
I would open it and I would take the bait bag out and like shake the bait bag out. That was like my job. Like, yeah. I didn't have any other job. At one point I went like, you know, the second time I went to like, like get a lobster and, and Corey's like, Ben, you're on bait. I'm like, okay, fuck, <laughs> I'm on bait, you know? So stay in your lane, Ben. I would, yeah, exactly. I'd whack, I'd whack the bait bag like against the side of the boat, get all the old, you know, whatever crap out of there. And then I would grab mm. two, two salmon heads. Yep. Put it in the bait bag, pop the bait bag back in. And then mm-hmm. once, once I'm done with that job, I, I would either help take crabs out of the pot like, you know, little crabs and you just, you know, toss them into the ocean or whip them at seagulls, whatever you want to do. There's just a <laughs> thousand seagulls around. Um, and, uh, or I'd help, you know, grab some, some bugs as they call them, the lobsters. And yep. uh, I would just ha- hand them to Corey and he had this like measuring stick or like, not it, I shouldn't say measuring stick, like a small style like a ruler guide mm-hmm. and uh so lobsters can't be bigger than five inches and then they have to be bigger than three and a quarter very interesting wait so, so they can't hold on yeah so they dude, can't there's be better a lot than five we have a lot to talk about dude all right they can't be if they're bigger than five inches they're immune and they're back in okay. you just throw immediately throw them back now it has to be bigger than three and a quarter inches. Okay. But once, if it's bigger than three and a quarter inches, you then have to check the tail on the tail. If there's a V notch cut in it, toss it back immune for life. Cause it at one point was an egg bearing lobster. Okay. So dude, the, the Massachusetts lobster rules are it's the last fishery on earth that it's governed by the fishermen interesting it's like the massachusetts state lobster commission hold on they one second govern themselves okay go ahead shoot what it what are you measuring on the lobster okay right this? behind his eye yeah like right behind on the back on the shell the on the shell okay. like whatever so from his behind his eye to or like, hers hey or it's her, 2020 sorry yes 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 um so from behind the lobster's eye to where the tail starts or whatever gotcha 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 so that's very um, specific in terms of like, dude, cre- the size so, limit so then the traps are a whole nother ball game meaning so every trap is put together with they call them bios in yep. in in the biz and those are biodegradable hooks so after 30 days those will those will biodegrade and then anything that was trapped in there can can is is free free to go or whatever right then there's escape vents so massachusetts law or, or whatever the the i shouldn't say that the the fisherman's law Yep. Um, requires it, well in Massachusetts, it requires you to have um, inch and three quarter is the minimum um, escape vent. Okay. And now the way Corey explains this is like the difference between a two inch opening and an 
inch and 15 sixteenths opening. He said the amount of, of, of fish or, you know, lobster you'd have in your trap is like insane. So lobstering, you only catch 2% of, of what actually goes into your pot goes into your pot. So he, Corey said that if you had a, a lobster trap that had no escape fence and you pulled it up, he said it would have like 250 lobsters in it, but they'd be, you know, smalls, right? You know, they'd right. be little ones. Like he, he said, maybe you'd get like, you know, still the normal amount of keepers. Cause that's the right. whole point. You kind of like you're fishing to keep the keepers, right? But you don't want the little guys in there either because they're eating bait. Dude, right. it was, it was mind blowing the information that like I was learning just because like it made me appreciate a lobster so much more like like crazy more um but i guess the backtrack so yeah so i would pop he'd pop the thing up on the rail we'd open it up i'd get all the the old bait out put new bait in and then um his guy nate his sternman would take the pot and then go stack it in the in the back of the boat but there's like a big time method to that because once you go through your whole trawl and get all the pots on board, yep. it's not like you go and throw the pots off individually. Like Corey just tosses the buoy off like where he wants to, to the start of his set and then just drives his boat. And then it, it just one by one, it just pulls. Is there like, is there specified areas where he can drop his pots or is it so free that's for all, free for all? That's a whole nother ball game. So he can go anywhere in Massachusetts waters. Yeah. But it's like, it's a turf war. It's a right. 100% turf war. And now you'd think that there's like a ton of lobstermen. Yeah. There's only 20 lobstermen out of Situate Harbor. There's oh, really? Like 20 out of Gloucester. Mm. The, the fact that he has his lobster permit, his like mass commercial permit is like insane. He, you know, he bought it a couple, I would say like six years ago, I think he said. And uh, it's like a super rare, like, like you can't get them. It's like one of those things. It's like, you can only get a permit if someone sells you their permit. Right. So it's, um, you know, he's the youngest by far, but he also said it's like very scary for him because as soon as all these guys start to, to, to be done, he said, there's nobody coming into the industry, no one really? coming into the industry at all. So like literally he's like, basically you know no one will make traps anymore no one will sell bait anymore you know it's like all the whole industry is like you know he said he's like thinking about it like heavily meaning like and i'm like to me i was like that, that i felt like that like opened up like my eyes kind of like dude if you're saying no one's coming into it like how big is the lobster industry you know i feel like You know, there'd be like 
money there. You know, obviously, if he's, I, I'm, I was like Corey, like you're gonna be the king, lobsterman, like literally. If nobody, like he just needs to buy, he could buy up all the permits as these people start going out, and we just take over the lobster industry. Well, I, that's what I was gonna. Is it because it's not like it's not sexy fishing? I mean, dude, you it's know, hard work. Well, right. That's what I. That's what I'm getting at. It's like is it's is it because it's you know, it's fucking difficult work. And also like, I assume with lobstering, it's a war of attrition. Like it's, it's doing what you guys were doing a bunch over the course of a season, as opposed to like tuna fishing, you could go out and catch one bluefin tuna and be set for the rest, you know, and be done for the rest of the year. Okay. Funny, funny. You say that. Cause guess what? We're at, we're at the, uh, so on our way back yesterday, we're going to the pier again. And, and Corey's like, Hey Ben, he's like, you might want to get this on video. They're about to offload a, uh, a giant bluefin. I'm like, like, how can you tell? And he's like, he's like, well, that's a rod and reel boat. He's like, there's no, no reason for it to be over at that pier. So sure enough, we're like, you know, we're in the Harbor. So we're like, just going real slow, like no wake. So I like get out on top of his boat and I like zoom in with my camera and sure enough, like as we start getting closer, they, they bring out like a big old giant. I mean, in grand scheme of things, it wasn't that big. Corey's caught way bigger, but uh, he, he said it was about, it would dress out at about 250 pounds, like dress out. And it's, he said it was going, it's going for like, four bucks a pound or so or, or uh wait it, it basically is gonna be like around under a thousand bucks for the fish because they're not shipping to japan right now because of covid uh interesting very interesting i so wonder what he that's said this whole to, uh, the whole entire the japan whole market. Tu, tu, tuna market was like way down this year the, like here in massachusetts like but that's probably a good thing for the tuna fishery though if there's if there's not as much demand, you know, high demand to send stuff to, to oh, Japan. Oh, totally, dude. It's, I mean, complete cause and effect, or whatever you want to call it. Like, um, but I mean, if you think about, I mean, dude, the fishing, just that whole world is like crazy to think, you know. Dude, I remember like, I went out. I went out with Corey. Yeah. Uh, in 2017 for our buddy Jason's bachelor party, shout out Jay. Um, we went out shark fishing with Corey and we were fishing uh, when we first got going and uh, we pulled in a handful of cod. And at the time, I don't know if it still is, but the cod fishery was closed, was closed for the year. And we were pulling in cod and like Taylor and I were, you know, did like basically just being his first mates, like taking stuff off the hooks and stuff like that. And, we just had to keep throwing them back. I mean, Massachusetts definitely seems to have its head on right when it comes to like how they regulate their, um, their, uh, their fisheries. Yeah, dude, it was definitely really cool. I'm hundred percent going back hopefully like next week. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, it, it was like, to me, I love being on the water, but then also to like, no, that's like his, his jam, you know, it's like, kind of help, helping out and you know i don't really have anything to do right now so 
I mean, might he, as, well, might, might as well be a lobster man. Does he? Um, wh- when does he? When does he shut it down for the year? Because obviously, because lobstering Dude, is is in so his that's, own. His own so that's his the only thing. thing the kid is. So he's a savage. He's a full blown savage. Like, Just has been animal. forever. A fucking animal. He hasn't. He didn't stop fishing all last winter. No shit. Yeah. So the only reason he's he's so after our day, we pulled seven trawls and then we pulled three trawl. I'm sorry, four trawls, and load them on the boat and we brought them back. You know, to his shop. So we brought mm. six sixty traps back to his shop. But um, so he's he's pulling the motor in his boat this winter and he's he's rebuilding the engine. Gotcha. So that's why he's pulling all of his gear out this year. So he's got 800 traps, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. Plus on top of that, I mean, did, well. 800 I, traps times basically a hunt, you know, it's like, it's, you know, that's, that's a max. You can only, you can only have 800 traps in as a Massachusetts. And did um, he do, did he do, was there a lot of charter work this summer? Probably not. right? Oh no, no, no. He's done. He's a, he's a lobsterman. Oh, just straight up, huh? He's not doing yeah. anything else anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess way more shark way fishing more. again, whatever. No, but you want to come fucking lobstering, dude. No, I don't want to come lobstering. I don't want to go do hard work for pleasure and not get paid for it. That's doesn't sound entertaining to me. I would rather go battle a shark for, you know, ten minutes or so, which yeah, I guess so, is hard so work that, and not get paid for. But you know. yeah, then you never, dude. Then you never get to exp- see. I guess you could just watch my videos and. uh yeah, I will. Plus, I like okay, Ben. Hot take, and this is gonna steer the conversation different. I and I've thought this for a long time. I think lobster is fucking overrated. I think it's an overrated meal. I think it's uh, it's ridiculous that it's a delicacy. People love it so much. I love a good lobster roll. Don't get me wrong, but the fact that lobster costs as much as it does and taste the way that it does dude it's the it biggest hype culture thing ever in the history of the it's planet. a joke they used to feed it to prisoners it was like they're called bugs for a reason they crawl on the ocean floor like they're literally it's not a delicacy but it was it you know it's like what else there's probably nothing that's been hyped as hard as lobster um Oh boy, in the food industry. I mean, ca- uh, caviar is fucking overrated too. No, 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 no. But I mean, like, going from something that used to be like prisoners' food to delicacy. Oh, yeah. Name yeah. another food that's done that. French fries. Um. Fuck! I lost my train of thought. Lobsters. Oh, so so this is this is interesting because I uh, when I used to spearfish in San Diego. We would see um, they have spiny lobsters out there, and yeah, you know, no claws, right? No claws, right? And so, like, <laughs> the first time we went out spearfishing, we were like trying to shoot them with the spear guns and stuff. But, uh, but obviously, similar to to you know what Corey has to deal with, there's all kinds of regulations that go with how like you can. So you have to get. It's almost like it's almost like deer hunting. You have to go get tags um, to have the right to catch um, spiny lobsters, and you can only you can only take so many, um, and you have you can't use like you can't use a gun, 
You have to use your hands or the only permissible tool they allow you to use is like a stab them with like an arrow. No, it's, you have to use these things. It's almost like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like you, you hold it in between. It's a metal bar. Oh, brass knuckles. Yeah, exactly. And you have to beat them to death. (laughs) And then in within five seconds, put them in a bag. Um, But no, uh, and it's got like a long metal, and a metal um, like rod that goes through your fingers and then it's got a hook on the end and then you hook them. If I remember correctly, you hook them like right where the tail bends and then like, but you don't hook into them. You just are basically like wrapping the hook around them and you pull them in. And uh, so I, I don't know why that matters, but yeah, I never, I never caught any of them because we were shoot at them and when, we found out we couldn't do that. But you got to keep in mind, these are also, we were also kids who the first time we went spearfishing, a lot of San Diego's coastline is protected as like, you know, a marine preserve basically. And so in those areas of the coast, you can't spearfish. We didn't know any of that. So the first time we went out spearfishing, we were fishing in the middle of a, of a marine preserve and we were shooting fish left and right. We, which we didn't know any of the size regulations. We didn't know anything. And then, so we're leaving and we're like taking fish out. We're like walking through like off this beach, like through this like residential neighborhood. And this dude's like, Hey, do you guys, do you guys shoot those, with those spear guns? We were like, yeah, we're going to go cook them up right now. He's like, you know, it's like a $10,000 fine for every single one of those fish. Right. <laughs> like, no it. way. $10,000 for every fish. Yep. And that was just um, because you guys didn't know where you were or, or the rules. There, yeah. So? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I ended up like then like looking back on it. So basically from basically like, I mean, the only parts that matter, like Southern ocean beach, like sunset cliffs area up until Pacific beach. So you're talking probably a, probably a 25 mile, maybe not even maybe 20 mile stretch of coastline where you can't spearfish. And then there's a about three or four miles where you can spearfish and then La Jolla happens and then you can't spearfish again. So there's only like a little bit. The thing about fish spearfishing in San Diego is they want you to go out like offshore, like a mile offshore into the kelp beds. And like, that's where you, you hunt for uh yellowtail and stuff like that. Why are you taking pictures of me? Just because I'm trying to get a, a good, a good Italian uh, hand gesture of, of how you, of how you, of how you. I can't help fuck. it, man. I can't I mean, help I, it. No, no. I mean, it's bad radio, but if you could see where his hands are going, it's awesome. I'm just up in the as just, just, just as high as wait, I can where, here. Where, where were you again, though? So I was all the way up in the. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, I think about that sometimes. It's like, I'll notice myself when I'm like talking to somebody and I'm just waving my fucking hands all over the place. It's, you know, it's just part of who I am, man. It's just part of who I am. Um, yeah, dude. I, I, I would like to go spearfishing. I mean, it's uh, hard, man. It's fucking oh, hard. It's I, I believe so much it. harder than I thought it was going to be. Well, does it get dark down there? Or do you just got to go midday? I mean, yeah, it depends when you go, obviously. But like, so the, the place I would fish the most um in la jolla was um at like the most like the max depth was like 30 feet so it wasn't like crazy deep um but 
Yeah, you go in the middle of the day. I mean, obviously, you, like you, you same with regular fishing in the ocean, like you play it by the tides and stuff like that. But there's all these, um, the uh, the state fish of California is the, um, the Garibaldi. Those are like those like dumb looking orange fish and they're fucking everywhere. And like, it's illegal to shoot those and they're fucking everywhere. Like there's really only like, if you're going like just offshore, there's only a handful of like species you can really fish for. Um, and then if you want to go way offshore, which is like, that's what the serious, <laughs> bless you. That's Thank what you. the serious dudes do with the fucking, you know, the tow ropes or the, um, um, the breakaway lines and stuff like that. Um, what's that? What's a breakaway line? So like if you're, if you're spearfishing for big game and you, um, obviously you shoot a big fish, similar oh, it, to like it would hunting. just, tell, it would tell you into oblivion. Well, yeah, similar to like uh, like if you were hunting for like a giant elk, like if you shoot it and you don't, it may not die right away, and you have to track it afterwards. So with a breakaway line, your spear will be attached by a line through your gun to a float, and then your float it's all the way up here, um, <laughs> and so when you would shoot the fish, it would run, the line would, would come off your gun, it'd be attached to the flow. And then that way you can just go find your flow and you know, the fish will hopefully still be there if it doesn't get eaten by a shark. Um, yeah, it's fucking, it's intense. I mean, I never done any spear fishing like that, but it's intense. I've seen videos. There's videos on YouTube of guys shooting 200 pound sailfish and shit like that. Like it's, it's intense. Some of these guys, um, but it's yeah, it's 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 definitely difficult. Um, but it's cool. It's like a cool like, you know, it's like very like peaceful like being, just like because all right. So you don't wear obviously a scuba tank or anything like that. So you have a weight belt on, and like you don't need a lot of weight to offset your buoyancy. So I think I used to dive with like I think I used to use like ten or twelve pounds. It's around your waist and like. It's so when you get down to the bottom, you just stay down in the bottom. You don't float back up to the top, obviously. That way, the fish around you, like, start to become more comfortable with your presence. And so the whole object is to stay down there long enough where the fish are comfortable with you being around, where they start moving around again, and then you can line up your shot. Um, so how long are you holding your breath? When I was – by the time I left California, I was probably up to, like, a minute and a half breath hold. Um but, dude, there's some dudes that are out that'll do three, four minutes and just oh yeah, dude, sit down guy, on the bottom. This guy, well, actually, you probably know him, Mike Harder. I play harder. The, I know play, Mike Harder. Sure, yeah. yeah, I played professional hockey in Italy. Yeah, so he, his wife is really big into breath work and diving. So oh yeah, he, he, yeah. So he can like hold his breath for like five or seven minutes or something. No <laughs> shit. Yeah. Good old Mike Harder. I love that guy. Yeah, he, he's a boss. Um, I don't know how we got here. Oh, uh, we've actually been talking for a, a, a good uh, a good amount of time. Um, yeah, so I got the COVID. Um, really, really weak disease. Um, you know, I get it. I guess I get why people would die from it, but. You know, I, it's what you and I preach the whole time. Take care of your fucking body. And I don't think it was that big a deal. You know, I really, it was not that big a deal whatsoever. Um, 
It's more, it was more the handling of all of it. Who to tell, you know, what to do, all this shit. Cause obviously people freak out. You know, I told my dad and he told my little brother, my little brother called me and was like apologizing. Like I just died or something. Like <laughs> he said, he said, uh, Hey, sorry. We're going to miss, miss you, Aaron. Oh dude. I heard about the test. Sorry, man. And I'm like, what are you sorry about? Well, you got COVID. I'm like, yeah, I feel fine already. <laughs> you feel better. Um, Wait, so did he think you were, you were a goner? I don't know. I don't know. But it is, but well, I mean, I have an, I have asthma. So like I was supposed to be more at risk and, and, um, than like just a regular person, but I actually didn't, uh, you know, I have a lingering cough. That's what the, I think I mentioned at the beginning. It's called a productive cough. It's very productive. Um, but other than that, there hasn't been any respiratory issues whatsoever. Take deep breaths, man. Controlled breathing. I, you know what? Actually, here's a little follow-up from a couple episodes ago. I've been practicing the Wim Hof breathing method a little bit more. Dude, I'm telling you, man, that fucking that shit works. I don't know where that crazy – what did I say? Where did I say he was from? The Netherlands. He's Dutch. I don't know where that crazy Dutchman came up with this idea, but that shit fucking works. Yeah, dude, I guess as soon as it snows, you can just start jogging barefoot in the snow. Yeah, I honestly think once it starts snowing, I might start I might start running barefoot with no shirt on through the streets of New Haven. If just it ever watch, snows again. Watch out for the needles in the snowbank. <laughs> hey, man, I live in East Rock, bro. We don't got no junkies over here. Um, Benny, what, so, what, so what's going to be on the docket for you this weekend? What's on? I mean, I know you said you're going to go work with uh, Corey again next week, but, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's the future holding for you, man? Um, you know, just uh, enjoying life. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe – I'll find a little project or something, but, uh, you know, I'm back home. So I have, I have a lot of stuff at my, uh, at, at my dad's house. So, uh, I'm trying to sell some stuff, which I'm, I'm, I've been doing pretty well. Actually. Yeah. Do it. Well, yeah. You sold a boat yesterday. Yep. Actually. Yeah. There you have it. Like I, sold a boat on Facebook marketplace and the guy's like, Oh yeah. He's like, well, He's like, well, when when can we meet up? He's like, I'm coming down from the Cape. I'm like, oh, no kidding. I was like, I'm I'm going up to uh, to Situate on on Thursday. I was like, I'll bring the boat up for an extra fifty bucks. He's like, deal. So I brought the boat up, and I was gonna hang around there yesterday to sell it, but I'm like, I was absolutely gassed. It was like, I bet I don't know, whatever, like four o'clock, and my cousin's like. He's like, wait, the dude's just coming to pick it up, and that's it. I'm like, yep. He's like, dude, just leave it in my driveway. Tell him to knock on the door. So um, I was like, dude, really? Like, that's awesome. Thank you. So I leave. Uh, left at, like, whatever, 4 o'clock. The guy texts me. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm leaving Falmouth here shortly. He's like, I'll be there in, like, an hour. I text Corey. I'm like, all right, he'll be there in an hour. He uh, he lets me know when he's about to be there. I tech, I'm like, yo, Corey's about to be there. <clears throat> Corey said he was <clears throat> in and out under a minute. I don't think the guy even knew that that it was my cousin that did 
the did the deal. He, he had no idea. No, not at all. And then Corey just Venmoed me and like, how about that? I I got my gas and all that paid for. I mean, Corey, his job. So now we're talking about a lobsterman who's been in the fishing industry his entire life. He's 29 years old with, he's probably on his like fifth boat. And, and uh, he like looks at, he's like, what are you doing with that? And I'm like, oh, I'm selling to this guy. He's like, <laughs> you're selling that? He's like, if I saw a sign that said forty nine ninety nine at at like whatever harbor, I don't know what he said, Harbor Freight or something. He's like, I would walk past it and be like, I'm not buying that piece of shit. <laughs> I was like, so you're surprised that I sold it for three hundred dollars to a guy? He's like, his like jaw hit the floor. So, I mean, well, you and I, I mean, you told me that story yesterday, and it's and I said to you, hey man supply and demand it's it is it's worth what somebody's willing to give you for it you know they like they always talk about like you know when you see athletes get big contracts and people always say like oh you know he's not worth that money it's like bro you're worth exactly what someone's willing to give you you know that's what determines your worth what someone's willing to give you so the fact that some guy paid you 300 bucks for a piece of shit boat that you sold on facebook where did you even get this boat from by the way uh, my backyard. It's like <laughs> fucking seven more down there. <laughs> it's not my backyard. It's well, it's so, I mean, yeah, it's my childhood backyard that I've acquired. Dude, I got the silver bullet. I I got the silver bullet out. Guess what? The silver bullet was um, uh, wrapped in a tarp and upside down. I flipped her over today. She's absolutely mint. So the silver bullet's looking beautiful. How's the sun deck? You still got the sun deck kicking around? Yeah, it was in the one of the barns down there. I pulled it out and put it on. Ah, oh, that's incredible, man. That's yeah. some good some it, GTs. The right only there. the only problem was the uh, looks like the carpet's gone from the top of the sun deck. So well, maybe, it happens. Maybe I have to do a little astroturf or something. You know, something fun. Um, while we're on the subject, uh, Scott Brown, I know you're listening. I still want my credit for saving Walton Pond. The fact that I don't have the fact that none of us have our names on that board at Walton Pond at Winding Trails is a fucking travesty, okay? We, just because those people gave money, they deserve to have their name on a plaque next to Walton Pond. We actually saved with our own bare hands. I was going to say, Walton like, Pond. I mean, I, I, would, I would say upwards of, like, <laughs> 3,000 plus organisms. At least. Various At species. least. Floating around, saving the pond before it got dredged out, you know? I mean, listen, this has been a point of contention between me and Scott Brown for years. But, buddy, if you want that calendar, which I got to get to work on, you better fucking put my name up on that board. But um, I think I think that's as good a place as any to end this week's episode of the Fishing Conversation. Um, ben, subscribe, rate, review, yes. Mm. Patreon, check it out in our links in our instagram bio add sunday conversation you want to throw us a couple bones for doing this great if not also great um you got anything else benny um i don't think so i know oh. there was something last week that we forgot i thought well, well what else is new i mean you fucking forget something every week i was going to ask you about i don't know if you saw it but the house of representatives uh, passed a bill for the legal decriminalization of marijuana today, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, cause that's a, a whole nother, uh, let's see what happens with the Senate first, but, um, supposedly 
um visa is offering this new thing something to do with like cryptocurrency or something i don't know if you've i don't know what that is i'm not i'm unfamiliar um but. here's here's an investing tip um i haven't given one of these out in a while but this is uh this is great um look at the company the symbol oh, it's not a company it's an etf uh thcx is the symbol for you investors okay that is a weed etf it is uh you can go online and see what companies comprise it um it's been up big uh it's not great value at the moment i mean it's only like 14 dollars a share but i would say if it stays in this range or even drops a little below 14 dollars to take it because uh with the, the way weed is progressing in a couple of years could very easily be worth 50 60 bucks a share so uh, i've been on fire with my picks lately so uh i would uh i would definitely just uh you know listen to me on that one anyways benny great chat pal love you love you bro